Hello and welcome to Airline Profits Executive Interviews. I am Kofi Sonopan, Managing Editor of Airline Profits Magazine and author of the recent book series on airline business and technology, namely Airlines for Business and Airlines for Technology. Today, uh, we have the privilege to talk with uh, René armas Maes, uh, an international aviation consultant and uh, managing director of uh, JetLink International uh, LS- LLC, uh, which is an aviation consultancy firm. Welcome back to Airline Profit uh, Executive Interviews. It's always a pleasure to have you uh, here. So uh, we're going to go through some questions about uh, basic economy fare, uh, which is a new trend in the industry. So uh, the first question I would like to ask you is, uh, what are basic economic fares, or BEF for short? So, in a nutshell, basic economy fares are part of a broader revenue strategy in an already depressed global passenger yield environment okay. that allows air- airlines to further segment their cabins and optimize revenues for passengers. For network carriers, it is a strategy that improves its ability to compete head-to-head with ultra-low-cost carriers and low-cost carriers as well. Uh, furthermore, basic economic fares target cost conscious customers and it is an interesting way of increasing competitiveness through an enhanced market segmentation philosophy. Moreover, uh, basic economic fares allow network carriers to craft tactical upsell strategies based on its ability to offer more choices and comfort benefits to passengers. For example, an upgrade to standard cabin product that will ultimately assist to maximize road profitability. Uh, to put it in, uh, in a nutshell again, you know, essentially, and among other ticket restriction policies, okay. passengers buying these type of fares are only allowed to take a small personal item on board with them, okay. one typically that will fit under the seat. Therefore, there are no carry-on bags allowed unless you pay for it as an extra. Uh, passengers as well flying under this type of fare are only allowed to board the aircraft last. Okay. They are also allowed only to receive their seat assignment prior to boarding, which might translate that a group of passengers or even a family might not be seated uh, together. Uh, this is an obviously a concern for many families uh, flying with uh, with minors. Of course. As well, yeah. As well, this this type of passengers buying these fares are not eligible for upgrades of any kind. Okay. And finally, they are unable to make any changes to their tickets. Okay, I see. Now, uh, when given a clear choice uh, by a network carrier to upgrade to the next fare level, let's call it uh, standard main cabin product, that includes additional benefits uh, such as uh, carry-on allowance, uh, seat assignment privileges, 
and upgrades. Uh, what's the conversion rate from BEFs to a standard main cabin product by a network carrier? Yeah, typically uh, what, what, what we have seen and what I have on the research that I have done and the press releases that I have read as well for a number of carriers, okay. you know, you, for example, United has commented that the conversion rate runs between 60 to 70 percent I see. of its passengers that have chosen to select this standard main cabin product over basic economy fares when given a clear choice. And a clever communication strategy and campaign has been executed by the airline. I see. Now, on the other it, hand, mm-hmm. you'll see airlines like American Airlines. Uh-huh. Uh, basically, they have commented that 50% of their 55 or 50% of their customers are buying up to standard main cabin fare product. In addition, American Airlines is currently testing a fixed differential of uh, between 20 to 23 US dollars okay. between their basic economy fares that don't allow any carry-on bags, and it's a standard economy cabin fare product that includes, among others, a free carry-on bag. For okay. United Airlines, the differential between these two types of fare is between $15 to $25. Okay. On, so- the same hand, on the same hand, um, what is key for network carriers is to strategically push an optimal strategy that includes, that includes clear messages regarding what the benefits for each first class product category are and what, and what is the enhanced travel experience will provide you. For example, the passenger buys a standard cabin product. We will observe as well that even before passengers click on the lowest fare product, which is the basic economy fare product, network carriers will try to upsell a standard main cabin per product by different means, okay. including questions such as, are you sure on their website okay. before you even click the basic economy fare? This is a must for network areas, and it's a very important upsell strategy to optimize revenue. Finally, you can see as well, you can observe as well, United American Airlines have clean basic economy fare product segmentation. For them, it's believed to mean around 1 billion US, US dollars in profit per year. Therefore, you know, one can observe why many network carriers are testing and rolling out this type of low fares with no extra benefits. Okay. So really, uh, any indications of uh, what this new type of fares is worth for an airline would be like they, they will make uh, extra billion dollars. Is that it? Basically, what uh, United and American Air Airlines has expressed in their investor stage presentations. Okay. So one can really see, you know, there is a lot of, uh, you know, extra money to be made, especially in, in, in the markets that they compete head to head with ultra low-cost carriers or even low-cost carriers. I see. Now, Rene, can you explain how network carriers react when? Uh, let's say uh, an ultra low cost or low cost airline uh, enters the market with uh, a BEF product strategy. Uh, do they match the lowest fare provided by the ultra low cost carrier? Or can, and can you provide uh, some examples of how network carriers respond to this potential revenue leakage threat? When an ultra-low-cost carrier competes with a network carrier in a specific market, 
basic economic fare product will allow network carriers to basically match the low fare uh, provided by the ultra-low-cost carriers. Okay. The focus for the network carrier is to compete and develop a sell-off strategy mm-hmm. that through many benefit offers will deter its passengers to buy down to a lower fare product. Okay. Moreover, a network carrier should look at what price point that ultra-low-cost carrier is selling its products for example, for its first carry-on bag. Then, basically, what they will do, they will price their fare as a bundle offering a few dollars lower, maybe even 2 to $10 less than the ultra-locus carrier with a basic economy fare product, plus the one carry-on back at the price that is, that is just being given. Consequentially, set discount will position the network carrier to compete effectively vis-a-vis the ultra-locus carrier. Uh, another another good example into this is wood frequency, which is an important factor as well. Okay. If a network carrier provides, let's say, 20 daily frequencies and an ultra-locus carrier provides, let's say, four frequencies, there is no need to offer a basic economy fare product outside where the two airlines compete head-to-head. In addition, another important factor is as well as route scheduling. Um, for example, if a network carrier leaves uh, 15 minutes before the ultra-locus carrier's departure time, mm-hmm. there might be no need for the network carrier to offer a lower third product, as it is already better positioned in terms of competitive scheduling that is regal based on something that is called in the airline business as a quality service index factor. I see. The, the other way that is true as well is that if you don't have a, a, a neutral locus carriers competing in the same market, and, and this market is only served by network carriers with similar products and price point strategies, the need to launch a basic economy per product might not serve, might only serve to dilute revenues. Only and in the very unlikely event that a network carrier decides to launch such a lower per product when it's competed against other network carriers, the strategy among those network carriers will be one where no basically economy fair product is offered in order not to disrupt higher yield fair products and okay. to protect and maximize revenue. So you see it from the both sides. If you have a network carrier competing vis-a-vis an ultra low-cost carrier, mm-hmm. then there is a different strategy that you have to apply. But if you are in a market where you don't have ultra low-cost carriers offering basic economy fare, mm-hmm. you should not be disrupting the market and you should be aiming to protect and maximize revenue. Therefore, no basic economy fare product should be introduced in that market. I see. Now, uh, basic economic uh, fare or BFs are available uh, by let's say, uh, the major network carriers in, in the U.S. market. Uh, do you see any such trend on uh, the international uh, level, in, in international markets? Do you see that, that trend as well? Yes, uh, totally. I mean, basically, economic fares are increasing common in not only the U.S. Today, uh, they are being tested outside uh, the U.S. market, for example, to Canada. Okay. Uh, by American Airlines. 
and even they are being rolled out in selected transatlantic markets, especially when one or more long-haul low-cost carriers are present or when a network carrier offers such low-fare products with limited seat inventory. So it's a major airline industry trend, not only being applied today in the U.S. market because that's a pretty mature market, mm-hmm. but it's coming as well to the international market, especially to the transatlantic market, because you have a lot of uh, low, uh, long-haul low-cost competitors such as Norwegian Air, War Air, uh, Air Europa, and some other ones. Okay. Now, uh, regarding uh, BEF product offering in the long-haul market, uh, can you comment on what the airline and market strategies are? Uh, what developments are being observed today? Can you uh, share something on that? Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, it is believed that the strategy of unbundling a carrier product and creating sell-up opportunities mm-hmm. is something that will work in more markets than just in the U.S., domestic one, as mentioned before. Okay. Um, it is important to remember as well that in the long-haul transatlantic market, competitors led by discounter carriers, these long-haul low-cost carriers, has been increasing capacity at a rate uh, between 6 to 10% per quarter this year alone. That's a lot of extra seats and capacity put into the market that needs to be filled at potentially very low yields, very low fares in order to attract passengers. So this is, this is obviously a main concern. Um, moreover, uh, a number of airlines believe revenues are being diluted in a number of transatlantic markets, which is a profitability concern, as it is considered a high yield. Uh, this market, the transatlantic market, is considered a high yield lucrative, and, and basically airlines bread and butter market, uh, especially for network carriers. So today what you have, you have both network and local low-cost carriers fighting for transatlantic cost-conscious customers. One example is the war air. I mean, they have introduced fares, uh, $69 USD one-way fares from many U.S. Uh, cities to popular European destinations. Uh, all flights basically uh, will uh, include a layover at Wolves uh, home base, which is in Iceland. And obviously, there is only a limited seats capacity of less than, I believe, 2,000 seats are expected to be offered at this incredible price. Uh, another example that, that, one, that, that we can observe, uh, this time for a network carrier, is basically Aer Lingus. Okay. It has uh, priced its uh, one-way transatlantic fares at 47 U.S. dollars. Hmm. And they come uh, like comparable basic economy fair products roll out in the United in the domestic market of the United States yeah. with many restrictions. Uh, some of these restrictions uh, are basically limited seat uh, availability and extra cost for items such as, you know, paying for extra items such as advanced uh, seat selection, blankets, headphones, and even checkback. I mean, this is clearly a competitive reaction to a number of local locust carriers that have dumped capacity at very low passenger yields in the transatlantic market. I see. Another comment on this is that basically in addition as well, uh, very recently at least one U.S. major network carrier commented uh, that is observing uh, a weak pricing environment in its transatlantic coach uh, cabin. Okay. Again, due to the low local locals competitors such as Air Europe, Norwegian Air, Air, that are operating 
economic fair product strategy another discounted and bundled uh, offerings. Okay. Therefore, uh, an important revenue leakage, leak, leakage th threat is very real for network carriers flying transatlantic routes these days. And in fact, at least one U.S. network carrier is considering low-thrill transatlantic tickets as soon as first quarter of 2018 because a number of passengers now fly with their competition, these long-haul low-cost carriers. Another case in, is uh, in case you know these U.S. network carriers decide to go forward with a basic economic fair product, mm -hmm. this is expected it won't replicate the basic economic fair product strategy they currently sell on many domestic U.S. markets, uh, especially to compete with the ultra low-cost carriers. This is due to the fact that a long-haul customer, which is defined as a six-plus-hour flight customer, expectations differ from a short to medium-haul passenger, which is basically defined as passengers that fly between one-hour to five-hour uh, hour flight. In the former, we're talking about in the long-haul customer, seat assignment, one or two checkbacks, food, drinks, are expected to be included in the price of the ticket. In the later, from the short to the medium haul uh, type of uh, flights, they are not. The good news for a network carrier flying for Atlantic services with a multi-cabin product offering typically three to four uh, main cabin products, which is the case of Mutanza, is that low coach fare disruption can be offset by a potentially strong demand for premium traffic, okay. which is absurd. Today, many dense transatlantic markets. So, this premium cabin revenues mm -hmm. can account for close to even 50% or more of a transatlantic flight revenue. Wow. The same can be said for a long haul, low cost a carrier with a two cabin uh, product offering, typically business, uh, business class, and economy class, as they will be in a better position to derive premium revenues and even subsidize, which is an important thing mm -hmm. to say, uh, lower fare products such as the basic economy fare. I see. Basically, to wrap up this question, uh -huh. is that finally, in the long haul arena, and whether to offer a basic economy fare product or not, one needs to consider competitors' offering and positioning at market-by-market market level. Uh, there has to be a clear, clear understanding of passenger profiles, you know, cabin configuration, product offering, is it going to be a bundle offering, unbundled offering, and obviously a clear market segmentation strategy to remain price competitive and ultimately to maximize route revenues. So what you're saying is basically this cannot be like a one-size-fits-all approach. I mean, you, it, it depends who is in the market, you know, how much capacity they are putting in the market, what kind of products they are introducing to the market. Is this a bundle offering? Is this an unbundling offering? You need to look into cabin configuration as well. Are you going to have one single cabin or most likely what you see today in the long-haul, low-cost uh, uh, flights? You see the carriers flying two cabin products to basically be able to derive some uh, important uh, premium revenues from the premium class cabin. Okay. Now, uh, it was reported uh, in the news uh, as of late September uh, 2017, obviously, 
that United Airlines has decided to pull back on uh, BEF in selected uh, U.S. D- domestic market. Uh, can you explain why? That's, that was a bit shocking as well, hearing that United has decided to pull back on these uh, basic economy fares. You know, um, Absolutely. commented by them in, in a number of press releases, uh, pullback is, uh, is in response to competitors as lower than expected rollout of uh, comparable products. Uh-huh. Uh, this really doesn't. This really does not make any uh, much sense. You know, as we know, American Airlines has rolled out uh, similar basic economy fare products throughout its uh, domestic network, yep. and Delta Airlines is doing the same with with a different strategy and a differentiated product. Basically, what uh, Delta Airlines is doing. They are providing these basic economy fares, but they are allowing people to bring one piece of carry-on back, which is a nice strategy and a nice uh, differentiator as well. As well. Uh-huh. In my opinion, and due to continued passenger dissatisfaction, United is now rethinking and refining its approach to basic economy fares. Okay. Uh, accordingly, it is believed United plans uh, to scale back on basic economy fare products is is it's going to be at to selected uh, to selected portion of its domestic network, releasing more routes to traditionally main carrying products uh, mm. and price. Okay. In addition, this pull, this pullback seems uh, related to operational issues, potentially some poor communication and educational campaigns as well. I see. Uh, Research, it seems United Airlines boarding process has, uh, at many gates, has become more complicated and tense uh, with the introduction of the basic economy fare products. Uh, it strictly limits passengers to one bag that must fit under the seat, meaning that there is no allowance for carry on bags unless you want to pay for those. Um, in addition, basic economy fare passengers are also assigned seats only when they arrive at the airport or even at the gate. And that means uh, that based on aircraft loads, that a group of people, including families with children, might not sit together. This is obviously an issue for some of these group and families. Uh, moreover, yeah, it seems a number of backpackers, which is that segment that is especially cost-conscious, and especially bought those tickets because of that, they were the lowest a fair product available showed up at the airport counters with no extra money to pay for carrying charges, yeah. which shows a lack of understanding basically on, on those passengers that bought that type of fare. But as well, it seems to be a purely communicated strategy of the uh, basic economy fare products restrictions by United Airlines in this case. Okay. Uh, concerning on the type of uh, benefits that, that they were entitled, entitled to. And then, obviously, you have, they were those that they didn't know as a basic economic fair customers that they are the last group that will be boarding the plane. So all these basically are, they need to have caused a number of issues for the airline. Many customers complained, and those complaints escalated very rapidly. I mean, you see it on social media, you see it in other portals. <laughs> Everywhere, yes. And uh-huh. that was, yeah, that was basically a concern. In, in addition, remember that United Airlines has been recently in the eyes of many customers and on, in the media, yeah. especially as, as a passenger was dragged for one of its aircraft a few months ago.
Exactly. Finally, David Dao Sagaya. One has to remember as well that for anything that you do, the go-to market strategy has to be really crafted for new products, especially for this one, which is the, the basic economic fair one, which is a low-fair product with plenty of restrictions and limitations. Therefore, it needs to be clearly communicated to customers and employees alike. You have to be an employee training. You have to be a buy-in from the employees. That strategy, that strategy should be well executed and processes that are clearly defined should be implemented for a smooth entry to market phase. Okay. Now, w- w- would you say then that uh, this was kind of introduced... Uh, they were not necessarily well prepared to introduce that, but they were kind of in a, a hurry just to copy-paste whatever uh, Delta decided to do. Uh, can you, is that a fair comment to make or not? This is, this is my belief. Remember that United Ireland has said that these type of fairs, basic economic fairs, could represent to them $1 billion in profit per year. So... You know, basically talking about a product that is going to increase top line, what, $1 billion, which is yep. a lot of money for an airline <laughs> it, it in the world. Uh-huh. And then basically, you know, pulling back at least to selected markets, you know, they have basically retrieved from a number of markets where they were competing head-to-head with ultra-low-cost and low-cost carriers. So it seems to be more like an internal issue that they need to resolve in order to basically you know, push back, uh, pull back a bit to basically improve, you know, the internal communications, making sure that, you know, there, there is a good strategy being done by the American Airlines to basically educate the customers that 24 hours before the flight, they will send an email, a text, or they will get in contact with them and basically they will reaffirm those passengers, basic economic passengers, what are the restrictions and what are the obligations of the fare they purchase. So basically, they are trying to reinforce the message, you know, you can do this and this and that, yeah. and you won't be able to do this and that. And I haven't seen that from United Airlines. Okay. Likewise, if you go to American Airlines website, you see that they have a more robust communication on the website okay. explaining the type of benefits and fares. And United also has some, but has, has it bought as a Q&A. So I, I think uh, they, they potentially rush into this. You know, the internal communication, uh, PR, and other strategies were not uh, really, uh, you know, uh, well thought out. Okay. And then it's that some of their uh, employees, United Airlines employees, at the gates, uh, in the flight attendants, you know, they were having some questions as well. So they think that uh, a more through training, you know, is needed as well. But I, I, I believe they're going to come back because there is a lot of value into this. Yeah. And if you see today, uh, the market is really uh, revenue depressed in terms of, you know, what airlines are able to get from passengers because yeah. fares have been decreasing, you know, over the last 10 years. Absolutely. And I'm sure they're going to come back, you know, and, and do something, you know, to make sure that they can take advantage of this type of products and, and basically this enhance Exactly, and uh, if I, I I may add something to that, is it's not just the the fair price that is actually dropping; it's also the perceived uh, value of the service that is dropping. 
uh, from a customer yeah. perspective. Yeah, I mean, if somebody buys uh, basic economy fare, basically the airline is telling you that I will transport you from point A to B and nothing else. You know, exactly. Rest, you will have to pay. You will have to pay for meals. If you want to, uh, you know, have some kind of priority security checks, then you will have to pay for that. If you bring a carry-on bag, you will have to pay for that. So basically, you know, it's, it's, it's part of an enhanced segmentation, and people is paying for whatever they are using. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Now, can you share any final thoughts on uh, basic economy fares before we conclude this interview? Yes, I mean, uh, the whole idea, the way network carriers are pitching these as they really don't want you passengers to purchase these type of fares. They have deliberately designed them to be cognitive for the customers as they want passengers, when given a clear choice and extra benefits and a good communication campaign is in place, mm -hmm. to basically to buy up to the next fare level or their main cabin fare product. I see. Um, you see as well that a number of carriers, including low-cost carriers such as uh, Southwest Airlines, mm -hmm. differentiate its product and offer better value to customer at the same price as those that are offering today basic economy their yeah. In addition, they allow customers, always their less allow customers to bring a carry-on bag onto the plane at no extra cost. Mm -hmm. Same like Delta Airlines is doing. I mean, they are offering that more value with, the, with their basic economy fare products because they are allowing as, as well a passenger to bring a carry-on bag at no extra cost. Yeah. And this is done in, in the case for, for, for Southwest and, and Delta Airlines, is done even regardless if there is a neutral low cost competitor in the routes they operate on. So this is a nice add-on and this is a nice way to differentiate as well. So basically to, com to, com to conclude and to protect revenues, mm -hmm. uh, deal, management, deal managing these basic economy fair products and sit in the uh, inventory that you put into the market are key to minimize the main cabin and revenue leakage. Although many network carriers say they will offer the new low, lower you know, price fare everywhere, even in transatlantic markets. Focus revenue management techniques should restrict their availability depending on local competition, market-specific competition, uh, profile segmentation, and seat availability. For example, on the later, making basic economy fare products unavailable within three to four weeks of the part today. Very good. Uh, thank you very much, Rene. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you again on uh, Airline Profits uh, Executive Interviews. And I wish you have a great day. Uh, we'll talk uh, next time. Thank you for the opportunity, Coffee, and good luck. Thank you. This concludes my interview with uh, Rene Armas Maes, International Aviation Consultant and Managing Director of uh, JetLink International LLC. Uh, we hope to speak to Rene again uh, sometime in the near future and see what he's up to. Uh, in the meantime, uh, if you have not done so yet, I invite you to read uh, Rene's um, contribution to Airline Profits magazine. And uh, you'll find the link uh, to this article uh, below. For you, I am Kofi Sonokwan, Managing Editor of Airline Profits Magazine. 
and author of the recent book series on airline business and technology, namely Airlines for Business and Airlines for Technology. And I would like to thank you for listening to this interview. Uh, we hope that you found that interesting and informative. We also hope that you will stay tuned for future Airline Profits Executive interviews since we have a few more coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, in the meantime, if you have not done so yet, I would invite you to subscribe to our RSS feed at airlineprofits.com and to our YouTube channel. Uh, you can also like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Google+. Moreover, we have relaunched Airline Profits headlines today, our daily newsletter which keeps you updated on the latest aviation industry news worldwide. And you can sign up to get that delivered directly to your inbox. Alternately, uh, you may consider Airline Profits Regional Digest, our weekly news digest that brings you region-specific headlines for the past week. Once again, many thanks for listening to Airline Profits Executive Interview, and I wish you have a great day.